So earlier in the show, we talked about QP and the province trying to find some common ground here, get back to the negotiating table, mediate this out. NDP education critic Chandra Pasma has thoughts on exactly what needs to be done and exactly who's to blame. That's from today's Toronto Today. Do you have optimism that we could maybe get a deal for Friday? What would you tell parents? Um, and, and how much has that changed since maybe a couple days ago? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure how optimistic yet. We've got two days. The clock is really ticking now. Uh, it's really disappointing that the government waited until the 11th hour instead of coming to the table several months ago to negotiate a fair and reasonable deal that would ensure the school year continued without disruption. Uh, They're tabling of uh, back-to-work legislation this week and using the notwithstanding clause guarantees that we will have disruption unless the government actually manages to hammer out a reasonable and fair deal at the table. Like I said, 48 hours. So we'll see how serious the minister actually is about protecting this school year and giving our kids the stable and normal school year he's talked about all along. I'm disappointed myself by the usage of the notwithstanding clause, but I'm also wondering if I could make the case the QP members voted for a legal strike. If that strike is then deemed illegal, at least in the short term, I wonder if you think, wouldn't many of them have a different vote? There's a lot of concern I'm hearing among QP members about that, Chandra. Well, I've heard from a lot of education workers and a lot of parents. We're already dealing with shortages in our education system of workers. And just to be clear, these are the workers that clean our schools, Mm -hmm. that support our kids who have accessibility needs, that teach our littlest pupils and help them to use the bathroom, that help our kids use the library and IT Like these are incredibly vital and important roles in our schools, but they don't pay well. And so these workers have been forced to use food banks to work two or three jobs to make ends meet. And as a result, a lot of these roles are already going unfilled. And these workers have been saying, if we don't get a decent raise, we're not going to be able to continue to do this work. Parents have already been seeing these gaps and have been having to fill in for these gaps or kids with accessibility needs are being told you can't come to school these days. And so that's why they gave their union this strong strike mandate. And the notwithstanding clause doesn't change that math. It doesn't change that reality. What it does is just say to these workers and to these parents and to these kids, Doug Ford doesn't care. If you stand in his way, if you cross him, he's going to trample all over your charter protected rights. But are you hearing as well from parents that it doesn't seem like either side is advocating for children in this process? It doesn't feel like either side has kids backs after two and a half years. No, that's not what I'm hearing from parents at all. They've seen that these education workers have come in day in and day out. And the kinds of roles these workers play, many of the QP workers were still in schools, even when schools were closed, because they were coming in to support kids with accessibility needs who didn't need to be in online school. They were still cleaning the schools. You know, despite all this, uh, all the negotiations, despite the financial situation of many of these workers, they have been coming in this year. They have mm-hmm. been doing their best to give our kids this normal, stable school year. Parents see how much they love and care about our kids. What they're not seeing is that same interest in our kids from the government who has been willing since the beginning to use our kids as a bargaining chip to bully the lowest paid workers in this sector. 
Would you be hopeful that mediation could solve it? I think that's what people look at and say, I, I wish we had a system where was the, there was an absolutely independent, arbitrary, non-compromised mediator um, who sits down and says, this is how it's going to go. An arbitrator that says, I've got a deal for you. We need you both to sign it. That's, I, that feels like the only way sometimes, Chandra, in this province. Well, you have to have two willing partners, but also, you know, the QP members have been clear they can't afford to keep doing this job unless the government is actually prepared to invest in the system and make sure that we have the resources we need to support our kids. Then we're going to keep seeing in education what we've already seen in healthcare, which is that workers are going to continue to leave in droves until the system is teetering on the brink of collapse. I wonder, though, I made the distinction yesterday. Karen Littlewood was on with us, um, OSSTF president, and I, I asked, I thought two, two things she said were rather pointed. One, she doesn't actually think this tension with, with QP will affect the OSSTF's ability to get a deal done. So I was and like, I was hardened by that. At the same time, um, you know, she made the point that, um, as you said, these are the most vital workers to keeping schools open and they haven't been paid well and they haven't been properly compensated maybe for a lot longer than the Ford government's been in power since 2018. This goes back decades. That's right. When we saw the liberal government before passed Bill 115, which also suppressed wages and took away the right to collectively bargain. And that's why the QP workers are so desperate right now. This isn't a one-time problem. This is systemic, that we have not valued this kind of work. We have not valued these kinds of workers. And we felt free to trample all over their rights all along. And at the end of the day, it's our kids who pay the price. And we can see that right now. They're already paying the price. And they will continue to pay the price as these caring adults that they need more than ever now after two years of pandemic disrupted learning are starting to leave even though they want to be there. So we need to do everything we can to make sure that we have as many caring adults as we can around our kids, that they are providing these fundamental supports our kids need day in and day out because our kids deserve no less. Chandra Pasma, our guest on Toronto Today. She's the NDP education critic, uh, MPP as well for Ottawa West Nepean. We'd have uh, Mara Stiles on quite a bit and, and ask her about education issues. One, one thing I think we'd all concur on if we were sitting around the table is um, this is getting in the way of some real issues with education, some real debates, some real move forwards. We've seen some of the statistics about uh, where our kids are at. We need to play catch up with a lot of the learning loss. What are some of the issues that you look at, Chandra, and, and you say these are really if once we can settle these labor issues, really vital issues in our schools that, that you're passionate about? Well, I've heard from a lot of parents over the past year knocking on doors across Ottawa, West Nepean, just the way their kids are struggling with mental health. It's not surprising a lot of grown-ups are struggling with their mental health as well, but we really need to do a better job of making sure that schools have the resources and supports they need in schools to support kids, to help identify issues before they become a crisis and get kids referred to the appropriate level of service. Uh, we know that kids are all over the map in terms of their learning after, you know, multiple years of in and out of classrooms, so smaller class sizes that allow kids to actually have the one-on-one -on -one time with the teacher they need to make sure that they catch up. And then we have this massive school backlog repair that, you know, we kind of haven't talked about for a while. We've talked about ventilation, but I know... You know, my kids are in classrooms with windows that don't open. Uh, there's lots of kids who are in classrooms with uh, 
you know, ceilings that are less than safe or uh, drinking fountains that are crumbling. Uh, we really have to make sure that we have our kids in the best, safest learning environment for their health, for ours, and for everybody's safety. Is it a tough balance then in tough economic times to say we, we want to get people raises, we want to help people, especially uh, the QP workers? I think even, you know, members of the OSSDF and, and EFTO would say they're the people that probably should get the raises more than than we should because we want to keep them as support systems in our schools. But then there's so many infrastructure problems, as you mentioned. I know teachers speak out about that on their own, but I often don't hear union representatives say, well, the infrastructure is just as important as our salary. Where you work and your environment you work in matters. Yeah, but money is not the problem here. The government underspent on education last year compared to what they had budgeted. They've cut in the past couple years, and now we've learned that Doug Ford is sitting on over $40 billion in unallocated funding for the next few years. It's totally a question of priorities. You know, we've also got a healthcare system that is really struggling, incredibly long wait times with people in the emergency room or waiting to be admitted to the hospital. Like the government needs to choose to invest in these services that people really depend on. If they are really serious about supporting Ontarians and especially supporting the youngest people in our province, then they are going to have to invest in our education system and our health care system. They have the funds and they are choosing not to do that. I, I heard you reference on Monday the amount of weeks that schools have been closed by um, in Ontario and it leads the country. It leads a lot of the, the Western world. Can, can I make the case an NDP majority government would have had the schools closed even longer? Absolutely not. Why? I mean, we were calling all along for the government to take the steps and invest in the measures that would have allowed us to have schools open safely. You know, rapid tests available in all schools, not just private schools. I know parents across Ottawa were fundraising and banding together to try to get rapid tests back when the government was refusing to pass them to publicly funded schools. The government refused to invest in smaller class sizes that would bring down the exposure level. You know, it's actually improved ventilation. In my writing of Ottawa, West Nepean, there was a ventilation unit that sat on a lawn for over a year. I'm not a mechanical engineer, but I don't think a ventilation unit on the lawn substantially improves air quality inside the building. No, that's that's no good. That's a that's a great example. Wouldn't rapid tests, though, have found more positive cases among kids? Wouldn't more positive cases have closed more classrooms and therefore closed more schools? Well, it doesn't necessarily close the classroom if you're identifying the cases right away, right? If the kids who know they have COVID can stay home, then you prevent the outbreaks. What we were seeing was nobody being able to identify they had COVID until there was a massive outbreak within their school. But at this point, more tests would mean more. And I'd say that at the point of last December, schools were getting closed in the Omicron era with two, three cases. My kid's high school was one of them where you got two, three cases in a school of 1,200 and they're sending the other 11, you know, 1,197 kids home. I mean, that was a public health decision. What happened when you had identified cases, what the conservatives were doing, what the minister did was shutting down the school Mm -hmm. system entirely instead of investing in those measures that would have allowed most schools to be open and public health to determine which schools needed to be closed. I would say even now with the COVID cases rising and, you know, lots of other respiratory viruses circulating, we know that the pediatric ERs are are full of kids. Uh, It's another moment where these kinds of measures, smaller class sizes, 
really good ventilation in the classroom mm. would make a difference to the health of our children. Hey, Chandra, I appreciate you coming on uh, and appreciate your advocacy as well. Let's have more conversations as uh, as the weeks uh, roll up. It was great to have you on this morning. I would love to, Greg. Thanks so much.